Today's gospel is from Mark chapter 6. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. We hear what happens when Jesus goes back to his hometown and teaches in the synagogue. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, my fellow witnesses, of such a glorious good news in the world. How does Revelation put it? In the worship of the one true God, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, honor, glory, praise. The worship just cannot, what, what words can we add to the list, right? The worship can't come up with enough words that we could say to God that would express thanks, value, treasure, love, adoration, my first, my last, my all in all, my God. The psalmist in Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I could be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know why? So I could gaze on his beauty. I could always remember how great he is. But the offense is right there in the middle, the offensive thing about Jesus, right there at the center of your worship space, the point to which every seat in this room is directed. The cross. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was the carpenter. Worthy is the lamb who was Born of Mary, isn't she live over there? Worthy is the lamb who was, aren't his brothers, Joseph, and aren't all his sisters here with us? Worthy is the lamb who was, don't we, don't we know? Isn't it just sort of common? 
and meager. Mary's not the richest one in Nazareth, you know. The carpenter's trade isn't exactly top-tier, salary-based moneymaker either. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And so it is that the offense is right there in the thick of the gospel. You want to open your mouth and talk about Jesus, and you want to talk about the real Jesus, You know that the slain one was God. You know that the slain one procured the forgiveness of your sins. You know that the slain one is life. You know that the slain one is light and not darkness. You know that the slain one is the only source of truth. You know that this slain one, this Lamb of God, this lowly carpenter, has a heavenly father. And everybody else has to be taught it. Hold it. They're not on the same page with you. If you are going to testify of the true Jesus and all that you know about him, it's going to completely offend someone. There is no way, no way to be faithful to the word of God that is centered on Jesus without causing offense. Absolutely no way. So Jesus has something to teach his disciples. Jesus has something to teach his congregations. Jesus has something to teach his witnesses and his messengers who are going to go out there a living and a talking about him. And he wants to point out to you what you can learn from his own example in the way that Jesus went to Nazareth and you notice something about the beginning and the end, a Jesus who steps into Nazareth and he went teaching and he gave them what he needed to give them. He gave them the only thing he could as a faithful witness, teacher, preacher in their synagogue. And when they failed to listen and rejected him, what's the last verse say? And then Jesus went teaching from village to village. Did he change? Did he change his method? Did he change his ministry? Did he change his message? No. He endured. Jesus took it. He endured it. He loved them, and he loved others still the same, and he continued to open his mouth with the offensive word of God. So his disciples are there going along with him. We pick up this story after Jairus' daughter was, was raised from the dead and Peter and James and John got to be in that inner circle and then we're told when well, Jesus left there. But his, all his disciples, okay, everybody was back in training and discipling mode and they're going to Nazareth together back to his hometown, a hometown that likely had already rejected him once in a different account, Luke chapter 4. Do you remember the whole, let's push him off a cliff day? Yeah, that was a thing. Luke chapter 4, tried to push Jesus off a cliff. That was Nazareth. He's back. And maybe in something of a sad, but make sure you catch it, trust fall in the Lord. It's a sad thing. This is the last time Jesus is in Nazareth in the Gospels. So he comes back and he's teaching in the synagogue 
looking eyeball to eyeball in the, to the people that know him the best, quote unquote. And we're not told what he talked about. We're not to learn from what he said. We are to learn today from what happened. And you listen to the people and they were astonished. They were amazed, but it wasn't a good amazement. Maybe, maybe you should write, write that into your own Bible. Now, this was not the good kind of amazement. This was the, uh, who's this guy thinking he can talk like that? Almost like that. It's like, wait a second. You're, you're sharing that kind of wisdom? Jesus and the message. Jesus, who we know, the, 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 the man in front of us, and we know your background, we know where you come from, this isn't right that you're talking with that kind of wisdom. This isn't right that you're doing those things. And after what it sounds like could be veiled praise, like in other cities it sort of was to say, where did he get this authority? Like, right? And they're, they're just kind of like minds blown, in a, maybe in a good way. But this was followed up by what? Questions. Isn't this the carpenter? And you know how words influence? We've talked about this a lot. And their line of questioning, even in Greek, you have an expected answer where you're kind of elbowing your neighbor there in the synagogue and you're like, isn't this, you're already nodding as you say it. Isn't this the carpenter? And so it would be cool if you would agree with me and nod. Yeah, this is just the carpenter. Isn't this Mary's son? Yeah, it's Mary's son. Yeah, it's just that little family. I mean, if we elevate Jesus, if Jesus is honored here in this place, Jesus from that house and that trade? What does it say about me? I mean, we're the well-to-dos of Nazareth. Our family's way up here. And now this is a whole honor, honor and shame scale that is so saturated in their culture and not far away from ours that you have when someone else is honored, then it's like steals away from my thunder. When someone else is up on the pedestal, then it takes a little bit away from me. Jesus, you're, you're talking a big talk and you're doing a big do with those miracles, but you're the carpenter. I'm not going to say that about you. I'm not going to put you up there. I'm not going to come under your word. You're the, you're the carpenter. You're Mary's son. And so it is that they stumbled on knowing Jesus too well and the irony of it is they don't know the lamb at all. And so it is that people still today will blast you for coming to church, being a part of an institution and sitting in a pew listening to someone talk. Don't you know that's just their interpretation of Scripture. Wouldn't you do better off just doing worship of God on an island by yourself? Shouldn't you just silo your Christianity and forget community? Don't you know that there's scandals, there's hypocrites in the church? You really going to commit to a community that says we're Christians? We know what good is and what evil is. And then you look at their life. You're really going to go shoulder to shoulder with that? I don't see any perfect Christian. And it's like, we know. 
We know there's this knowing of the church that doesn't know it at all. What word is being shared? What grace is being appreciated and valued inside every last sinner's heart here? I don't really get it. But it's a way to say, hmm, don't have to be under that word. I can distance myself from this Jesus. He's just the Nazarene. Well, I won't say it that way. Other people blasted Nazarenes, but we're Nazarenes. We're going to blast Mary's son. And we're going to blast the carpenter who worked with wood. He's not telling me what to believe. So it is still today. And I think there are some ways where we, uh, we can identify with two groups in this. You could say, my heart does that with the word of God sometimes too. There are things, absolutely, that are offensive about the gospel to us. That are offensive about the God's word to our reason. And it's funny how little kids will say, when am I going to see Jesus? Like, I'm supposed to see him if he's going to be real. Otherwise, he's just another fairy tale in my life. There's so many different ways that Scripture offends us. But it must be that way. And God says, this is... This is my word. In a way, you can define what rebellion is by the offenses of the word. Does that make sense? You could define rebellion against God as an unwillingness to go along with where he is and what he says because you stumble on its offensiveness to you. You can define stiff-necked as an unwillingness. It's all related to scripture. It's all related to God's saving love. And the same part is in our hearts. When I, when, I, when I doubt something or I'm still struggling with this, I get the struggle. And, I, and, I, and we can't escape it. It is a built-in to Scripture. It's going to offend you. But at the same way, it's that I hope that it becomes that delightful offense that, God, I am so glad that when I think of love, your definition is way bigger because without it, I'm not saved. God, I'm so glad that when you charted a course and a plan for sinners like me in this world, it didn't involve an, a ladder and who can climb the highest. That it involved your son who came from heaven down to earth in a manger to be my lamb who was slain. That's offensive to my reason. It's offensive to what I think works in the world, how I want to be involved in things. And you did it all and you put it as a gift to me. I'm glad. And I delight to be in the house of God where nothing else speaks but God. Where nothing else is beautiful but God. And the work, the work of God is to spread this as a community language. So there's one application of this that I'd like to make with you. You'd understand that the offensive nature of God's word is something that is universal. It offends everyone, meaning some of the implications of this are big. It means that there's no such thing as a private faith. 
that God is going to, Jesus is going to go to this village and preach his word, his offensive word to that people, and then he's gonna go to the next village. He's not gonna change the message because they need to hear something else. They need a different community faith. No, they need the one common faith. They need their shared Nicene Creed. And he's gonna teach the same word to them. He's gonna go to the next village and he's gonna teach the same thing there. He's gonna go to the next and he's gonna teach the same thing there, that all people would be united by a common confession of faith. Does that make sense? There is no this is what I think in the Christian church. There is no, I believe what I believe in the Christian church. It is entirely heaven-given truth for a community to be made to all who will listen, to all in whom the Spirit blesses with faith. And we see the power and the ability of natural man to push it all away and to find something private that they would reject Jesus. So that's another implication, is that rejections of Jesus are often cherry-picking. Unique, handcrafted, I have a problem with God because of, and they fill in the blank. I don't think anybody today is saying, I really stumble that Jesus was a carpenter. I really stumble that Jesus was Mary's son. And that was then, and that was there, and they pushed Jesus away. And today, people have come up with their own ways to set aside Jesus. They're little maintaining private truths against God's universal truth. Does that make sense? It's huge. It helps expose a web that the devil has woven all around this world that helps people or that urges people and compels them to maintain private truth, private authority, private mountaintop, I'm king of the hill, and won't let God be God and every man a liar. Won't let God be the only source of truth and everybody else be wrong it's too offensive. Well, the impact is what? What does it mean to you that even those you wish to claim the most would not share this hope and faith? I know some of you are in that mode where you love someone near and dear in your life that God has put around you and they do not share what you believe. We often call it our greatest evangelism strategy, don't we? It's not the sign out front of church. It's not our website. It's you, your face, your life, and someone else's life. They're in the thick of it. They're in the trenches. And yet Jesus says, isn't it funny? Of all the places where someone's counsel and advice could be rejected, where a prophet is without his honor and praise and glory and power and strength and wealth and value and treasure and love, it'd be right here in his hometown. Hometown. In among his relatives and in his own household. You see how close... Jesus understands this is. 
and a psalmist who says, Though father and mother forsake me, yet the Lord will receive me. And here is a wonderful treat for us to see, not just as believers, but for us to see Jesus as his witnesses not do any miracles there. Did you hear that part and be like, what's going on? Jesus, I've got some advice for you. You want to make more converts in Nazareth? Do some miracles. Then they'll know that you're the son of God, right? They're struggling that you're Mary's son and just a little carpenter. Show them you're not a carpenter. Show them what you can make without wood. Right? I got some advice for you. You could do miracles there. And then he would have this glorious reputation in Nazareth. Worthy is the lamb who does miracles. Worthy is the lamb who gives us bread. Worthy is the lamb who does this for us. Worthy is the lamb because of his power. Oh yeah, power is where it's at. That's the Messiah. That's the king. It's just another misidentification of the real lamb and his blessings. So he would not do any miracles there. He would not promote a faith inside their heart that's a faith in another non-Messiah, but wanted one in the true Messiah. And I show you that because that's service. That's Jesus thinking about what these Nazarenes need most. They don't need a pile of miracles today. They needed my word, and based on their rejection and unbelief, they need me to walk away. That the teaching would sit there and be the teaching. The offensive, remain offensive. I'm not going to shift. I'm not going to move and become a miracle worker for you. I must be the true Messiah. I must be the lamb who was slain. This is the only thing I can leave you with. The only place I can take you. Do you see that? So the church also, we follow in our footsteps. We say, Jesus, you know what it is to face this rejection. You know what it is to be on the wrong side of acceptance. But it didn't stop you from serving those Nazarenes in the best way you knew how, from loving them with the truth. And so Christian congregations and messengers today, we don't change the message to make it palatable that something would be created in people's minds that could be a, a missed Messiah. Nor do we change our methods just to, especially if it would be at the expense of the message, so that people would remember that the things that we do in worship, is it easier to do church without a confession of sins at the start of worship? Should we just push that part along? Can we just talk about other stuff on a Sunday morning? You know, like the little tweaks we need in life? No. We lose our lamb who was slain. We can't lose my lamb who was slain. I was a sinner this last week, and you were too. And we have to come to church, and I need to hear about a lamb who was slain for me. I don't need another self-help textbook. I don't need a different message. I need you to be faithful to the rebel. I need you to tell me the lamb who was slain for me. And I need to say that to you so that together we can continue to be Christian and belong to him. 
Brothers and sisters, we're so blessed by this account. It's so strange. It feels sad. And that's the trust fall. That you would go out into a world knowing this might not work out well, earthly speaking. But there's a good thing to say today. And there's a good thing to do today in the name of Jesus. And that's continue to be faithful to his word for ourselves and for others that all might be blessed. And maybe as God does his thing with his word and his messengers, many more will come to join us and say, worthy is the lamb who was. Amen. Amen.